Good morning. It is good to see you guys. Turn to Nehemiah chapter 9, either in your actual Bible that you have or your Bible app. Um, I just want to say thank you guys for doing what you're doing at this campus. I love this campus. I love the staff here. I love the volunteers that are here, the leaders, the congregation. I love all of you guys. Um, I'm not here all the time. I spend some time over at the Owasso campus, and I don't want to be a stranger to you. I love people. Um, I know many of you, but there's some that I don't know that well. I've, I've been married 26 years. My wife is Amy. She teaches second grade at uh, a school there in Owasso. Um, she's been teaching about 15 years total, I believe. We have three children. My oldest son is Carson, and he's a sophomore at uh, Northeastern State University in Tahlequah. And then I have a son, Connor. He's our middle child, and he goes to Mid-America Christian University, which is in South Oklahoma City. He's on the basketball team there. He's not playing yet. He's kind of having to wait his time to play. But, man, they beat the number eight team in the country last night. It was so much fun to watch that in Oklahoma City last night. But he's having fun um, playing basketball and doing some school when he's there, some studying, right? That's kind of how that goes. And then my daughter, Addie, I got to be quick when I talk about this because I'll get emotional. If you're a parent, you understand this, but she's, uh, she just turned 18. She's a senior at Uluga High School, getting ready. I got to quit talking about it. I got to move on. Uh, she's getting ready to graduate and move on and leave the house forever, and I'm having a hard time with that. So that's a prayer request right there. Tina, they'll pray for me in that situation. So, but that's my family. Um, we're not over here all the time, but man, we love you guys. We pray for you guys. Uh, many of you were connected with on Facebook and social media. Um, so anyway, uh, I have a prayer request before we jump into Nehemiah chapter nine and some other scripture verses. Tomorrow morning, we have a team of three that are leaving for Tepa, Mexico, South Central Mexico. This mission trip doesn't take a lot of people. Just need, we need about three or four, and we ended up with three, and so it's myself, Kevin Turner, and Stacy Cuscio. So the purpose of the trip is we're going to go down and we're going to go into the schools, the public schools, Tuesday through Thursday mornings. That's three days. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we'll be in the public schools, and we will go into a middle school, and we will go into a classroom where there's 30 to 40 kids, um, and we will share a Bible story through an interpreter who happens to be Pastor Jose Luis. Aaron is here somewhere. She's met him before. She's been there. Um, and he is extremely incredible at communicating. But he's our interpreter. And we share Bible stories with those kids. And these Bible stories are applicable to what those kids are going through in that season of life. And so we're giving, we're pointing them to Jesus we're pointing them to the Bible, but we can't really share the gospel in the schools. But we are sharing scripture. We're sharing a story. We're pointing to Jesus. Here's the cool thing. So we do that uh, about four classes every morning, four different classes every morning. By the end of the week, there'll be 12 classes that we've been to. Um, but here's the cool thing is after we leave and come back, Jose Luis gets the schools three, I got to be careful how to say this, it's they're challenged kids, all right? They're, they're just having a tough time with school and with culture and life. And they give them to Pastor Jose Luis, and they say, we want you to mentor them for a while and help us out because they really respect him. Well, after he's through mentoring them, he, he then gets to spend time with that child and their parents 
all at one time as well. And he gets to spend several weeks mentoring them, and that's where he gets to share the gospel. That's where he gets to invite them to be a part of the house church. So we'll do that in the mornings, is, is speak in the schools. And then also in the afternoon, we'll be in, in house churches. They do church in these little small houses that they live in. We'll go in, do Bible studies, and pray with them, encourage their church members. And then at nighttime, we'll repeat that again. And so that's what our trip is. It's, it's, it's sharing the gospel, it's sharing Bible stories, and it's actually encouraging and building up the body of Christ in Tepa. Pray for them. They deal with social persecution, right? They don't get beat up and experience physical persecution. But if you're a believer in Christ and you're sold out in South Central Mexico, there's a good chance you're going to lose your job, be ostracized from your family, and have a lot of different things said about you in the community that aren't true, a lot of social persecution. So pray for them. So we leave tomorrow morning. We'll be back Friday. And uh, we might post some stuff on social media. So raise your hand if you'll pray for us this week. Anybody? All right. Thank you. That makes me feel very good. All right. Nehemiah chapter 9. Hey, have any of you ever been pulled over by a police officer? <laughs> Someone over here said never. That means a million times for them, right? Raise your hand if you've ever been pulled over by a cop. Or, all right. Wow. My hand's up too. We're in this together, right? We're in this together. Listen to this. A cop who pulled over someone for failing to stop at a stop sign. <laughs> someone over here is like, that was me. Uh, the man objected that he had slowed right down even if he hadn't come to a complete stop. The cop explained that that wasn't good enough. You had to come to a complete stop. The motorist replied, Ah, oh, come on, officer. There's no difference. Haven't you got anything better to do than to pick on innocent people? The cop yanked him out of his car, cuffed his hands behind his back, and started laying into him. Stop, the man yelled. The cop grabbed him by the throat and said, Now, sir... Don't you want me to stop? Do you want me to stop or do you want me to slow down? <laughs> um, I think that guy had a problem with confessing that he did not come to a complete stop. He had a tough time repenting, right? He, he, he had a tough time with that. For whatever reason, we don't know, right? Well, I don't know about you, but... There's probably a good chance that all of us in this room, including myself, there are times in our life, whether publicly or even privately, we struggle. We could struggle, or we have struggled, or we might even struggle in the future with just, man, coming clean before our Lord. Just repenting. Just saying, man, I was wrong. I messed up. It was a mistake, and it was, I wish I wouldn't have done that. I, I really believe all of us in this room probably have been there, and if not, you probably will be. So we're in Nehemiah chapter 9, all right? Nehemiah chapter 9, we're going to look at some scripture. Uh, let's do that now, all right? Nehemiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 4. Let's stand as we read the Word of God, all right? 
Now, on the 24th day of this month, the people of Israel were assembled with fasting and in sackcloth and with earth on their heads. And the Israelites separated themselves from all foreigners and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. And they stood up in their place and read from the book of the law of the Lord, their God, for a quarter of the day. For another quarter of it, they made confession and worshiped the Lord their God. We're going to stop right there. This is the Word of God. God. You may be seated. All right. At the end of the scripture there, it does mention a group of Levite leaders. And I have an Arkansas accent and an Arkansas education. I'm not even going to try to pronounce their names. You probably wouldn't either. But it does list out a group of Levites and chosen leaders of the Jews at that time. It lists out all their names, and it talked about how they cried out with a loud voice to their God, all right? Scholars don't know if it was just one of them or all of them or just Ezra. They don't know, but it was, they were kind of all doing that together at some point. So just a couple of things. It mentions in the scripture here that we just read that they fasted, all right? They were giving up food or giving up something, right, so that they could be reminded to, to pray, You're giving up something that you like a lot, and so it's a reminder to you to just really be in prayer and to really be connected to the Lord. So they were fasting. Um, It says that they uh, they did that in a sackcloth, which scholars believe that could be a really rough material, like a burlap material, which basically was their way of saying, you know what, Uh, we're not really willing to be comfortable right now. We need to be uncomfortable, and we need to... Um, get right with you. And then it says they had earth on their heads. What earth on their heads? Soil or dirt was on their heads. It was kind of symbolic of getting as low as they can so that God can be as high as they can. It was symbolic of, of how they wanted to be lower than him and, and so forth. And then it talked about the confession of their sins, all right? And you know the stories throughout the scripture in the Old Testament, the Israelites, they, God blessed them a million different times. In a million different ways, and there were times where the scripture says that they were, some versions would say stiff-necked or hard-necked, which means they were very, very proud people. They were very proud people. They wanted to do things on their own. They wanted to do things their way, not his way, even after he blessed them so many times. And that's what they were asking for forgiveness for. They're coming out of this feast. They've been close to God. They're fasting. They're praying. They just completed the wall. The gates have been repaired. They're working now. And they're now really close to God. And there's just this humble conviction. And now they're just confessing their sins. And they're mentioning also the sins of all their ancestors in the past. And they're just like, man, we've got to come before you. We've got to repent. We've got to come clean. We're so sorry. And that's kind of what's going on here. What a great example they are even to us today. It's just to come clean and to repent. Well, that raises a question. What does that look like? What does that look like? So we're going to answer that in some points this morning, all right? So how should we repent? How should we go about doing this, all right? So I want us to take some notes, and they're going to be up on the screen. Some blanks are going to be filled in. 
I'd love for you to take these notes. Uh, the other campus is doing the same thing today. I love how we're unified. But number one is this. When we repent, we need to be face to face with our Lord. Not in a physical form, right? But in a supernatural spirit form. Face to face. I love what David did in Psalm 51. Listen to this. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast, steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may, you may be justified in your words. He's having a face-to-face, a heart-to-heart conversation with the Lord. It's not from a distance. It's not that he's, you know, assuming anything. It's not that he's making up excuses. It's not that he's um, blaming it on somebody else. Man, he's just owning up to it face-to-face. Um, I love how David does that. Now, it took him a while to get to that point, right, if you know the story. But he got there. He got there. And he goes, man, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in, in, uh, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in an inward being and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. And he, man, he continues to even start bragging on the Lord. He's saying, make my heart clean. Um, he's saying, man, provide the Holy Spirit. He says, restore me. It's just like a face-to-face uh, conversation. And uh, so a couple of things. A, acknowledge his holiness. Amen. No one, nothing more holy than our Lord. Amen. When you're in his presence, you've got to acknowledge his holiness. Submit to his lordship. No one's the boss. He's the boss. He's the leader of your life. He's the one that guides you. Nothing else. Submit to his lordship. And see, choose a posture. Choose a posture of humility. I love what, actually, David does that in the scripture, Psalm 51. He's owning up. He said, it's my sin. I'm talking about my sin, my mistakes. In the scripture, he says that. He is, I shall be clean. He's basically saying, it's me. It's all me. I've messed up. And he's being humble as he does that. He's saying, man, have mercy on me. I know my transgressions. I have sinned. I brought this on myself. But he says, but I delight in your truth. He says, I want to be clean. Let me hear your, your joy and your gladness. Created me a clean heart. I love his humbleness. So the first thing is, man, make it face to face. Face to face. Number two is heart to heart. Right? It's not routine. It's not checking off a list. It's not doing something so others can see and watch you when you repent. It's not any of those things. Man, it's from the heart. It's from the true conviction of the Holy Spirit that has broken your heart concerning your sin. That's when true repentance happens. 
It's when the Holy Spirit convicts you, not a person. It's not any other motive than that. It's when the Holy Spirit breaks your heart. So that brings up a question. Heart to heart, what does that mean? What does that look like? There's four things here, I believe. Yeah, four things. A, is confess your sin. Actually, truly confessing. Here's the list. Here's what I did. I am wrong. I am confessing to you, Lord. No excuses. I'm confessing. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous just to forgive our sins and clean, cleanses us from all unrighteousness. If we truly confess, he is faithful and he is going to forgive us of our sins. What a true blessing that is that he would do such things. It's just to confess your sins. That's what it means heart to heart. Confess your sin. Next one, B. I love this one. This is a really good point here. Interrupt the stumble cycle. Interrupt the stumble cycle. Now, my mother, who actually attends First Baptist Church, Ulaga, but she helps out at the mission in Owasso. She, she helps her on Mondays. She's an awesome, awesome person in my life. Her health is slowly declining, and if she were here today, she would tell you that. She's slowing down. She gets a little dizzy. She can't explain it. She's been to the doctor. She just might be walking down the hallway, and she just starts going this way. She doesn't mean to go that way, right? Or she might be walking down the hallway, and her body just starts doing this. She doesn't mean to do that. That's just kind of what her body's doing right now. So she has stumbled a lot. She's kind of taken some falls, luckily, in the grass. And, and so what did I do? I want to help her with that. So what, what do I provide her? I provide her a cane, right? She didn't like it at first. I don't want to carry around a cane. I don't want to, you know, I don't blame her. I'm going to probably do the same thing, right? But it has helped her to not stumble and fall. It's helped her. It really has. In fact, she left her cane at the mission, and I chewed her out for it. And I had to go get it and get it back to her and all that. You know, you can kind of do that when it's your parents. You're helping them out, but... Here, B, it says, interrupt the stumble. We all stumble and fall into sin. We all stumble and make mistakes. But when you bring the Lord into your life and you live the best you can through his word and through his convictions, you are interrupting your stumble cycle with the word of God, with prayer, accountability, John 8, 11. John 8, 11 says this. She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin and, and, and go. And from this and from now on, sin no more. The lady was caught in adultery, brought to the, the community. All these men were like, we need to stone her. We need to kill her. That's what they did back then. And basically Jesus says, hey, if you've never made a mistake, if you've never sinned, go ahead and throw the first stone. All the guys just took off, right? Because they'd all sinned. And now it's just the lady and just Jesus there. He says, man, I'm not condemning you. But notice what he says. 
go. Don't sin. Don't do that again. Don't do that again. Don't do that again. He was interrupting the stumble cycle. He was in her life. And we should include him and welcome him and embrace him in, her, in our life so that our sin cycles, right? We all have weaknesses. We all have struggles. Include him, embrace him so that he will help interrupt that stumble cycle. C, embrace the boundaries. Embrace the boundaries that he's placed in your life. Psalm 16, 5, 1 through 6 says, Lord, you have assigned me my portion in my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have delightful inheritance. The scripture is talking about stability. He provides stability. Embrace the boundaries, the stability that he provides you, that his word provides you as we live in this crazy, crazy culture that's going to tempt us like none other. He provides that stability through boundaries, through his word, accountability through the Holy Spirit. So again, what does it look like? Heart to heart, repenting heart to heart. What does it look like? Confess your sin. Interrupt the stumbling cycle. Allow him to be a part of that. Allow him to interrupt that stumbling cycle. Embrace the boundaries, the stabilities that he provides you. And then the last one is to stay close to the Lord. That sounds so simple, doesn't it? But that can be so hard at times. Right? Extremely busy in today's culture. Our job, our family, our friends, ministry, hobbies, culture pulling us from different directions. Stay close to him. I'll never forget being in Woodland Hills Mall where there used to be a playground, all right? It's kind of, they've relocated it now, but there used to be this little indoor playground inside, right? And I was there on my day off, and it was just me and Addie, and there's, of course, kids running around everywhere, right? And uh, I was watching her, and my daughter Addie is pretty social, and she's very lively. And so I had a tough time keeping her inside the play area, right? I did. I had to keep watching. I had to keep getting up. No, no, don't go that way. Stay here. I kept telling her, stay here. I need you to stay here. I need you to stay here. I mean, it wasn't but a second, and she was gone. I could not find her anywhere. I didn't hear anything. The world stopped. My heart began to pound. I cannot find her anywhere. After telling her, you got to stay here, you got to stay here, you got to stay here. She wanted to kind of do her own thing, I guess. She just didn't know. She didn't trust me. And man, I panicked. I panicked. I think JCPenney JC was behind me. I went in their store and I'm looking around and I look over here. I mean, I was panicking. And I happened to look over. It used to be a radio shack. I looked over and there's a radio shack. She's behind the counter in Radio Shack, just looking around. And I'm, and I'm looking at her through the glass, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. 
my heart was still on the floor. I had to pick it up, put it back in my chest. And I pulled her back over into the play, play area, and I said, Addie, when Daddy says you need to stay, you need to stay. There's reasons why. I said, do you see how far you were from me? Bad things can have to use as a teachable moment. And man, we can do that in our walk with Christ. We want to go do our own thing. We want, to, we want to go away. And in the scripture here in John 15, verses 9 through 10, it says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. He says, Now, remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. And if you read throughout that chapter, you're going to see the word remain, or depending on what version you have, you might see the word abide. It's mentioned 12 times. Remain in me. Remain in me. Remain in me. And it just keeps repeating. Don't you think that's he's wanting to, to say something to us? He's saying that's not a life you want to live. You have to stay close to me. Remain in me. And that's part of having a heart-to-heart repentance moment with your Lord Jesus Christ. It's to remain in him. Keep your heart close to his heart. D, stay close to him. So we painted this picture of what's repentance look like? Two things, it's face-to-face and it's heart-to-heart. And we've taken time this morning just to break those down. So what's that look like for you? What's that look like for you? Do you confess your sins as consistent as you should? Do you allow the Lord and the Holy Spirit to interrupt your stumble cycles? Do you welcome those? Do you want those? Is that your heart? Do you embrace the stability, the boundaries that he has given you to keep you from sinning? And the last one, are you staying close to him? His word, prayer, the leading of the Holy Spirit, with other believers, are you staying close to him? That's the challenge for us today. And man, if we look through the scriptures in Nehemiah chapter 9, as we looked at earlier, that's what they did. At the end of that chapter, they, man, they confessed and they got right. They knew that they were wrong. And they were so ashamed. What a great example they are for us today. So that's our challenge. I know that as I studied this this week, I need these points in my life. And I hope and pray this morning that you would also receive them in your life. We're going to have a time where we could just pray where you are. You can come up and use this as an altar and pray individually or bring somebody with you, maybe to pray. I'd I'd like to be standing right up here. If you'd like to talk to me, um, 
or you can talk to someone near you of how you can know Jesus Christ. Repent of your sins and live according to his ways. We'd like to talk with you more about that. So let's stand at this time. Let's let the Lord continue to speak to us. You respond in the way that you need to respond during this invitation time.